0: We are Centre Point Church. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Hello, hello. Good morning, good morning. Um, do, do come and take your seats. Uh, it's great to uh, gather together and. Uh, I love, I love when we come to uh, just, just be together each week, whether that's uh, during our midweek groups or on a Sunday morning. And um, So my name's Chris, and I'd just like to extend a welcome to you along with Hannah's, uh, and uh, whether you've been here for like a million years or this is your first week, you're so welcome. It's good to, to be gathering together, and um, this morning... Um, As Hannah says, we're going to carry on in 1 Corinthians, and specifically chapter 14. So you can start to turn to it now if you'd like. And um, I just want to let you know up front that um, I guess this, this morning's talk is predominantly to those people that are Christians in the room. And if you're not a Christian, actually I love speaking to you too every single week. But it just happens that where we are in the passage, it's just specifically talking to Christians. And what I want you to know is if you're not a Christian, then... Do listen in and get an insight into what God might be saying to Christians today on this topic of spiritual gifts. And also know that God is not a distant, far-off God who doesn't care about his people. But actually, he, he's very near and wants to bless Christians with gifts that he gives through his Holy Spirit. And um, So as a church, we've been, we've been going through this book. Uh, for some time now, we're nearly finished. Actually, we've got just two weeks left after today in the, in the book, and um, this we're kind of today's finishing like a little section within the book that, that ran through chapters twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. And so, chapter twelve. Opened up this topic where Paul wanted to come to to speak about spiritual gifts. So in the beginning of chapter twelve, it says, "Right now, concerning spiritual gifts." And uh, he, he, or concerning spiritual matters. And uh, in the first part of chapter twelve, um, Paul started to lay out foundations by talking about how all the gifts that God gives come from God through the Spirit. There's like one Spirit, and God gives God gives gifts to every single. Uh, person, every single Christian, and they're all different, but it's the Holy Spirit that empowers and operates those different gifts, and so we we need to make sure that we are in harmony with, with one another. And then in the second week, we looked at one body. And Paul spent time in the rest of chapter 12, um, again, talking in this whole topic of spiritual gifts. He said that they come from one spirit, but it's all for one body. And he really, he spent quite a bit of time, Paul did, talking about how the body of Christ, which is the church, how that is the setting for these spiritual gifts to work out. That we're not called to be individualistic Christians that go off in all different directions, but actually it was meant to be part of a local body and... um, a local congregation, working out these gifts together. And uh, so that's what he did at the end of chapter 12. And then last week, uh, in chapter 13, uh, Paul lays out that all these spiritual gifts are meant to be operated with a heart attitude and motivation of love. And so he starts off, if I speak in tongues but do not have love, I'm a clanging cymbal or a resounding gong. Love is patient, love is kind. And there's those famous words that come out. And... um, It's good to have the context of all of that as we come into today's talk, because now in chapter 14, Paul chooses to specifically address uh, certain gifts, and that is the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy, and the gift of interpretation, and so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I think the reason why he addresses these is because they were the ones that were causing the most problem to the Corinthian church, and so... What we're going to be doing, as we go through this chapter, the words are going to appear on the screen, and we're going to read the chapter first. Then we'll give some context and talk about if these gifts are for today. We'll then talk about those three main gifts, and then we'll talk about well, how does that work practically in church life? And so it's quite a um, it's quite practical um, talk today. And as we look at these gifts, but that doesn't mean that it's. Devoured of the Holy Spirit. In fact, actually, I, wanna, I want you to make sure that you're just allowing the Holy Spirit to move in you as you as you listen and as we go through the chapter. Um, because I believe that God works through all sorts of different ways. And uh, through the preaching of his word is one way. And so be open to him speaking to you. And at the end, we're going to give time to pray for people and give time to to let God move amongst us. And so, um, we're going to read pretty much the whole chapter, um, we might skip a little bit here and there, but I, I want to encourage you, it's a quite a long chapter and we're going to read most of it, I want to encourage you to, to engage in, this is, this is the best part of the morning, reading God's word, it's his Bible. So the words will appear on the screen, you can follow along with me or in your own Bible if you've got it. So it starts off, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. So it's carping on from last week, it's all about love. Follow that way, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I'd rather you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you, unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, How will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind and my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer, someone new, someone that maybe doesn't know Christianity, say, Amen to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you are saying. You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. We'll just skip to verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation... Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirit of prophets are subject to the control of prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Now, just to warn you up front, the next section is a little bit risky, so just hold the tomatoes because we will explain it. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their husbands at home. For it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Amen? No, no, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Or did the word of God originate with you? or Are you the only people it has reached? If anyone thinks they are a prophet, or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they will themselves be ignored. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Father God, I just want to pray that this morning, as we unpack uh, this chapter, Father, would you be with us. I do pray, Father, that uh, we would hear your word to us as a church. Help, help us, Lord God, to, to understand this, this letter, this, this chapter, Lord God, that you've given us today. And, and I do pray that we would be built up and edified as a church, that we would be strengthened, encouraged and comforted, Lord God, as we seek you and press into all that you have. Speak to us, I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so... It's uh, it's worthwhile reminding us all that Corinth is a church that is in a right mess. It's it's really messed up. Everything that um, they do is just not great. In fact, um, you know, it's really good that we have the book of 2 Corinthians because in that book we see that they've taken lots of the stuff that Paul's taken to heart and they're starting to get it right. And for this particular passage, we find that it's what's going on in their meetings which is really causing problems. And uh, from other chapters, we know that this is a church that really is just, it has lots of divisions. It's got all sorts of problems. And Paul has spoken into how they do communion, into how they do marriage, into how they treat people from different backgrounds, because they do these all awfully. How they treat single people and widows. And now he wants to speak into these particular gifts. You know, there's lots of gifts of the Spirit. the Gifts of, like, administration and helping and giving generously. But we don 't find that they 're trying to outdo each other in those gifts they 're not trying to outgive each other or to out administrate each other. No, no they 're trying to out prophesy or, or um, speak in tongues to each other. And I wonder actually is because they're the ones that are the public speaking gifts, whereas the others are ones that are behind the scenes. So what 's going on? Well, we 've got this situation where they 're meeting together for church on a Sunday. And um, you've got several people speaking in tongues at the same time and they're clearly just not doing it in love prophecies are not encouraging they're not building up the church they're they're being said uh, things are being said which are just completely incomprehensible no one can understand people from the outside are coming in and they're confused they're not sure what's going on and it's all chaos and Paul kind of wants to come speak into all of this and talk about their attitude he wants to talk to them about order and, and God is a God of peace he wants to talk to them about the gifts and what they're for and how they should be used. He gives real practical advice. And, and then you get this bit about, even, you know there's even women talking to it in the church. It's a right mess. What's going on? And, you know, Paul wants to speak into that. And to us, it can be like, what? But all joking aside, sadly, some churches, they take those few verses and build their whole church practice around it. And they failed to ignore the whole rest of Scripture. In fact, they failed to ignore earlier verses within this um, book where Paul gives instructions about how women should prophesy. And he talks about head coverings, and we spoke about that before, so you can get the download if you want to. But the point was that he expected women to prophesy in church. So how can they do that if now really he's expecting them not to speak? What's going on? It's important to dig down a little bit and find out what he's speaking into. And uh, not only that, is is in this chapter do we see Paul actually uh, honouring women... Sorry, in this book... But also in other books, like Romans, for example, Romans chapter 16 is a whole list of women that have served with Paul, helped to plant churches, helped to preach, helped to prophesy. Women that have come alongside him and worked on his apostolic team as he looks after uh, all sorts of different churches. And so far from uh, Paul believing that no women is allowed to speak in church, actually, there is a specific context in this passage which he's speaking into. So... What's going on? It's a good question. Well, with a little bit of digging, you'll find that the church in Corinth had some Jewish practices. In fact, quite a lot of Jewish practices still resonating within this church, even though uh, they're now sort of out of the Jewish nation, but uh, Christians instead. And uh, in those days, what would happen is that women would stay at home, um, they would look after the family. Generally, they would be uneducated. You know, they didn't go to Bible college. They didn't, they didn't do any of those things. And then on a Sunday morning, they'd get this chance where all men and women from all across would suddenly, they'll be coming together. But um, in the, at the time, when the, the Jewish practice at the time was that men and women would sit separately. And so you can imagine the scene where you'd have all the blokes kind of sitting downstairs and the women up in the, in the balcony. And they they didn't... They wouldn't have been able to read. They wouldn't have known all the scriptures. They wouldn't have known all that what was going on, and so uh, it's yeah. Basically, you'd have all the women nattering, because that's what women like to do when they get together. And, and they're talking they're like, what's going on down there? What did he say? What's that about? What's, where did that come from? And they're nattering away, and they're asking, they're asking all these questions. And downstairs, you've got all, all the blokes there, you know, trying to prophesy over each other. They're not doing it in turns. That, and, and, and everyone involved, it's just complete chaos, complete mess, and um, Paul wants to speak into it. And he's like, sort it out. Women, if, you, if you've got questions, if you don't know what's going on, wait till you get home and, and ask your husbands then. Don't start nattering in the middle of our church service when we're trying to worship God. And, and men if, and, and, and women, when you're prophesying, take it in turns. Be, be in order so that the whole body can be edified. Stop messing around because all of this time to come together is to be able to worship God, to give him all the praise. And what they're doing, they're causing distractions. It's a right mess and they're, they're causing Chaos. Everything, verse 40 says, should be done in a fitting and orderly way, you know. And so the the point of coming together as a church was to to hear the word, to worship God, to give him all the glory. And men and women in this church were taking that all away by not doing anything in love. And it was all mess, all chaos. And so Paul wants to speak into that. So that's the, the context it's worth just uh, touching on, are these, um, are these kind of gifts for today? Because I know that there are some churches today, some Christians even, who would believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for today. They were for 2,000 years ago, and, and that they, we shouldn't have them now. There are others who would say that they are for today, but we're not going to let them operate on a Sunday morning in church life, because when guests come in, they might be freaked out, and so therefore, you know, we're not going to, we're just going to, shut down the Holy Spirit, not going to let that happen. Let's just come, we'll sing songs, we'll hear the preacher and then we'll go home. And in the private meetings, that's where we'll you know, let the Holy Spirit do his stuff. And um, yet we find that in the middle of this passage, the bit that we didn't read in verses 24 and 25, Paul encourages the church to use the gifts that he's been laying out and says, hey, actually, if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they will see that God is amongst you they'll see that it's not just like some dead religion, that he's there and he's at his work and he's, he's active in your lives and they will fall down and worship him. And, and at the end, it says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forgive. Don't forbid speaking in tongues. Do forgive. Don't forbid speaking in tongues, and uh, and he's, he wants to encourage this going on in church life, and say, hey, it's okay. If people that aren't Christians come and see this and hear this, because they'll know that God is with you and that something's going on, and they want to inquire about it. Uh, so, are the gifts of the day? Well, I'm just going to just spend a couple of minutes, just quickly tracing through why I believe they are, uh, why, why I believe they are biblically. So, in the Old Testament. Um, the Spirit was poured out on individuals. And so you have people like Samson and Gideon and others who the Spirit pours out on them and they're able to do things for God in, in a supernatural way. And uh, this happens throughout the whole Old Testament. But then you get these prophets and Joel specifically, he says, in, he says that God says, in the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy your Old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, even on the servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So Joel is looking forward, hundreds of years before Jesus comes, Joel is looking forward and saying, hey, something's going to change. God is going to do something where he's going to pour out his spirit and the Holy Spirit will be for for everyone, for men and women. And then we get into the New Testament and John chapter 1 says... Uh, we, you've got uh, John the Baptist who gives a testimony concerning Jesus. And it says uh, in John chapter 1, Then John gave this testimony. He said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. He's talking about Jesus. And um, John is saying, look, I've been baptised with water, but this guy, Jesus, he's going to come and he's going to fill people with his Holy Spirit. Then we get into Acts 1, and Jesus says to his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. And then we get into Acts chapter 2, and the Spirit comes and it fills all the disciples with the gift of tongues. And they spill out onto the streets. And people that have come from all sorts of different countries all around, they hear them speaking in tongues and they actually recognise it's their own language. And they can, they can hear this. They can hear that and they're like, what's going on? These people from Galilee, how do they know my language? And God, put, God like, fills them with this Holy Spirit in this amazing way of seen them with tongues. And then Peter gets up and he preaches to them. And he says, hey, guys, these, these people aren't drunk. they are not had too much wine. No, no, no. This is what... Joel prophesied about, and so Peter says, hey, remember Joel, that guy that said hundreds of years ago that in those last days God was going to pour out his spirit, this is it. And so it says, in the, he, he like kind of quotes Joel, in the last days God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and he adds, and they will prophesy. So you've got this gift of tongues and prophecy at work in the early church. And you've got Peter saying, hey, this is those last days. And uh, you've got this pouring out of the Spirit. And this is, after the G- this is after Jesus has returned to heaven. And Peter is explaining that we are in those last days until Jesus returns. You know, Jesus hasn't returned yet, has he? Therefore, we're still in that time. We're still in those last days. Right there at the start, you see him pouring out his Holy Spirit. You know, read the rest of Acts. Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 13, Acts... uh, All through it, you see churches growing, the Spirit being poured out um, on men and women, people prophesying being filled with the gift of tongues and uh, people being given all sorts of different gifts. And uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, a bit that we didn't read last week, towards the end, it says that after all... So after all the stuff about operating in the, in the spirit of, in, through love, uh, Paul says that these gifts won't cease until the completeness comes. And so that's basically what he's saying, until Jesus comes back. That's what Paul is saying. Has Jesus returned yet? No. Therefore, we should expect the spirit to be poured out. Whistle stop tour. But I'm in faith that God's, this promise that God has given us, Holy Spirit, is actually for us today. For all Christians, all around the world. So spiritual gifts, they for today. Uh, so let's talk about the ones that are in our passage. And uh, we're going to start off by talking about tongues. Um, so uh, for each one, I'll try to talk about what it is, some key things to know. I'll try to give some examples of my own experience as well for each of these different ones. So let's talk about tongues. First of all, tongues is an indescribable utterance of worship to God. It's not a language. That people can understand, but it's the soul worshipping God in a way that words just can't describe. That, in essence, that's kind of what it is. It's directed from us to God. And so in verse 2 it says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people. Don't speak to other people. They speak to God, so it's not directed to people. It's directed to God. It's a it's a gift that's desirable and available. So verse one says, "Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit." Verse four says, "Anyone who speaks in a tongue, edifies himself." So that leads us to the fourth thing: that it builds up the speaker. Tongues is something that that builds you up. It it edifies you. It helps you to to be encouraged and strengthened and grow. It's kind of like a prayer language to build up the individual speaker. You know, the person speaking doesn't understand what they are saying. It's like their their heart is singing to God as opposed to their mind singing to God. And uh, the source is the Holy Spirit. It's not your intellect. And so in verse 2 it says, Indeed, no one understands them. Um, they are utter mysteries by the Spirit. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, which is in verse 14. So it's, it's like it's this indescribable utterance of worship to God, praising him out of the depths of your soul. Um, some things that I think it's helpful to note is that having the gift of tongues, um, or any gift for that matter, does not mean that you are spiritually mature. For some reason, God chooses to give gifts to all different people. He doesn't wait until you've, you've made it in some way, your character's refined or, or whatever. No, he pours out his gifts to, to anyone. And um, so what it means is that if you have the gift of prophecy and you are spiritually immature, you can cause great damage with it. And uh, if you have other gifts, you can, you, it doesn't suddenly mean that, oh, I'm mature. everyone has to listen to me. No, no, God can pour out his, his spirit and his gifts on anyone. And so it's important that we then walk in step with him. And we we get to know him, that we're uh, able to receive correction and and encouragement in that way too. Also, equally, not having the gifts of tongues does not mean that you are somehow not a Christian or not filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, But we are encouraged to desire it, like I've already mentioned. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit doesn't take you over. Sometimes um, it's possible to think that, oh, in order for me to have the gift of tongues, that somehow I'll be standing there and then God is going like, to zap me and suddenly I'm going to be speaking in tongues. Actually, no, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. Um, it doesn't do that in any gift, actually. Uh, he co- cooperate, cooperates with us in the gifts. And so if you stand there with your lips tightly sealed, then you won't speak in tongues. You need to allow God to to move in your heart, to soften your heart. And then as you pray and you allow your your mouth to speak, God can give you a gift and and you can start to speak in tongues. But you need to be moving your mouth, as it were. Um, And then fourthly, it's predominantly for speaking to God privately. So the predominant use of tongues throughout the Bible is for speaking to God privately. It edifies the, the person, the speaker, but it can be done publicly, and when it is done publicly, uh, our chapter tells us that we need to pray for an interpretation. Um, and in fact, in verse 13, it says, For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret it. And then later on it says, If there is no one like in the church that can interpret the gift of tongues, then the speaker should be quiet and sit down, basically, and just talk to himself and talk to God. So we should expect an interpretation and uh, so some examples from my own experience, I remember for me, um, uh, I was in a church meeting and we had this opportunity where someone uh, prayed uh, for people for the gift of tongues and, you know, the music was turned up a bit and we were, were encouraged to, to start praying. And for me, it, it started with just a short phrase and then over years that, that grew and developed as I practiced this gift that God gave me. Uh, but it did take me to start moving my mouth and I started off by just use, using the words of English, you know, just praying in English about God that I love you. And then that, that moved into this gift of tongues. So that was, that was my experience for it. You might have different experiences. Um, and the other thing just to mention about tongues is that you might have been in moments in your life where something tragic has happened. I know I have. And in those moments there are, you just don't know what to pray. There are no words to, to pray into this situation. You know, the gift of tongues is a wonderful gift to have in those moments. As your soul cries out to God, it, okay, it's words that you don't understand, but you are, you are edified in that process as you cry out to him and you speak to him and you just, you come before him and say, God, we do this. And I think whether you're a Christian here today or not, you can understand that. There are times where you just, you just don't know what to say. Like, how could this happen? And gift of tongues is a great gift to, to edify you in those moments. Okay, so let's talk about, does that, does that make sense? So it's quite, quite practical, some practical stuff, just letting you know about these gifts. Um, oh, sorry, did I forget to kick on? My bad. Um, let's talk about interpretation. Uh, what is it not? It's not prophecy. And uh, that's important to note because it's not God to us. We talked about how tongues is uh, praise from people to God. Therefore, the prophecy will be in the same line as that from people to God. And so if there is a tongue and someone else comes to impre- uh, interpret it and says, thus saith the Lord, your worship is unacceptable to me, well, that's not the interpretation of the tongue because it's not God to people. It's people to God. And so as when the interpretation comes, we're expecting that interpretation to be a praise-focused, God-focused interpretation um, as, we, yeah, as we hear that. And so that's the, thing. the first thing. It's not prophecy. And then secondly, it's not a translation. So it's not a word for word translation of one language to another language. Uh, it's not like, you know, sometimes you, you see those press conferences and people have got their headphones on and there's someone like translating the words from like English to French. That's not what's happening when the gift of interpretation is at work. It's not like God downloading you a manuscript of what that person said in the tongue. That's, that's not what it is. In fact, I remember when I, was, um, when I first became a Christian, I would listen to, this, to like the number of syllables in the tongue that someone just spoke, and I was expecting then that the interpretation would match those number of syllables. And if it didn't, I'd be like, oh, I don't know if that was the interpretation. <laughs> and that's rubbish, because it's not a translation. Um, So what is it? Well it's kind of sensing what God is doing in an individual. It's interpreting the individual's praise towards God. You sense it in some way and so as someone is bringing a a tongue it might be that you at the same time are being filled with the Holy Spirit and you yourself you're, you're just starting to speak praise to God. You know that is an interpretation of that tongue. As that person is speaking, you are being filled with the Spirit and you're directing praise to him. You're, you're interpreting what's going on. I love it when I'm in meetings where I feel like I have an interpretation and someone comes and brings it instead of me and I feel like, oh, it's matched up. And often, actually, you can see that happening all across a room because people are, are, are in tune with God and the Holy Spirit and what's going on. So it's a, it's a Godward-focused, directed praise. We kind of talked about that. Um, and thirdly, that we should corporately seek God for the interpretation. And so it's important for us as a church to, to be seeking it. Now, it could be that the person that brings the tongue uh, is able to interpret it themselves. That that can happen. Or it might be that they bring a tongue and then someone else. I, I know Barney a few times loves to pray in tongues and, and we've heard people interpret it in our church. We've seen this gift operating in our church and so it's good to see. And... Um, yeah. So an example that I found uh, for myself is that I've been in times of worship. Someone's brought a tongue, and I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me because the hair stand up on the back of my neck, and I just I just sense God on me. And, and when I'm hearing a tongue, if I'm I'm feeling like just I guess a sense of praise to God in some way, then I you know I feel oh this might be an interpretation. And I know it is when it's Godward focus and when the Holy Spirit is is meeting with me in some way. Does that make sense? Okay. Right, last last one number 3, prophecy. So what is it? Well, prophecy it expresses the heart of God to his people. So uh, in verse 2 it says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. So that's Godward focused because, you know, no one understands them and they utter mysteries to God. But verse 3, But the one who prophesies speaks to people. So this is like God to us. So prophecy expresses the heart of God to his people. Tongues expresses the worship from people to God. And you could say, you, you could, um, it could be speaking out, prophecy can be speaking out, Prophecy could be written down um, and it might be things that God has brought to people spontaneously in the moment. It can, it can come over time, over some months as God speaks to you about something and then, and then you kind of see something else, you hear something else and God like, it's like attaches something to that, to that word of knowledge, that prophecy that you've got. Uh, the one who prophesies, number two, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their three things, strengthening Encouraging and comfort. And these are, are three great words to help us to weigh up prophecy and to, to understand is, is this right? Is it encouraging? Is it, does it strengthen people? Does it bring them comfort? And the word comfort, it doesn't mean that it's like always really easy and fluffy to hear, um, but it, it more means like fortifying. Um, so, those of you that have been to France, you might have seen the Bayer Tapestry there's this scene there where uh, Bishop Otto has got like a, a baton and he is prodding the people forward to march into battle. And the line underneath it says, uh, He comforteth the troops. And that's the word used. It's like he's fortifying them, he's encouraging them, he's strengthening them. And so um, prophecy, it can be stretching and prodding, but notice it's never condemning, it's never destructive, it doesn't tear down. Um, and but it so it but it can it doesn't mean that it's not like it could feel awkward sometimes as as someone saying come on you know press into this press into that it's like comfort of the troops that it can be like that but it's not condemning thirdly it's for building up the church anyone who speaks in the tongue edifies themselves verse four but the one who prophesies edifies the church verse 12 since you are eager for the gifts of the spirit excel in those that build up the church. So it's there to build up the body of believers. Number four, just like tongues, it's desirable and available to all. And so verse five, I want everyone to speak in tongues, but I'd rather you prophesy. Verse nine, speak intelligible words so that people know what you are saying. It's all about prophecy. Verse 12, Eagerly desire the gifts that build up the church. It's prophecy. Verse 19, I would rather speak five intelligible words than 10,000 words in a tongue. It's prophecy. There's, there's a clear, like Paul's laying out, that prophecy in, in some sense is better, uh, but in the same way as tongues, it's available to all. We should desire it. Seven things to note. I'm going to rattle these through. Prophecy, although spontaneous, doesn't mean that it has to be delivered immediately. And so sometimes you might get a burden for something, and you can weigh it, and you can pray into it, you can seek God for it, and you can do that over several months before bringing it or several weeks. It doesn't have to be brought immediately. Do you know what preaching, this is the second point, preaching can be prophetic. In fact, good preaching is always prophetic. It's rooted in the word of God. And a few weeks ago, often I feel like that way. I feel that, you know, long before I came here, I felt it was right for us to speak through this book. I know what we're going to be preaching, what, what books and what themes we're going to be preaching over the, over the next sort of Five months. Right now, I'm praying to God, what should we be speaking into in September? What, what do you need to be saying to us in that season? And uh, prophetically asking Him to to guide us as, a, as an eldership team. What, what should we be pressing into for our church? And um, yeah, a few weeks ago, I, I talked on uh, One Body and I Throughout the week, I really carried a burden for that message for the church. I felt that it was prophetic for the church. And I remember after it, having delivered it, I was just down here and I was crying. And Phil came and prayed for me and I just felt exhausted because I I felt like I'd laid out the burden I was carrying in my heart for this message for our church. And if you missed it, I'd encourage you to to listen to it. Um, And often... You know, just because something is is written down, it doesn't mean that it's not prophetic. So don't assume that when the preacher's on, that somehow the Holy Spirit isn't working. Now I believe that Holy Spirit can be working right now in your hearts, penetrating it like a double-edged sword. God transforms um, when we're praying. He can transform when we're worshiping. He can transform when we're reading Scripture. He can transform when we're hearing Scripture too. And after all, Romans twelve t- encourages us to be. Uh, transformed by the renewing of our mind you know it's not it's not just our mind can be renewed our mind can be spoken into so uh prophecy is always in line with scripture so if you want to grow in your prophetic gifting read the bible Get to know it. Get to know God's heart. Get to know Jesus. Get to know what he cares about. Get to know his heart and his will for people. It's all through scripture. It's not just in the gospels. You know, read throughout the whole Testament and through the rest of the New Testament because all of it is about Jesus. And so I would encourage you to do that. Prophecy, it needs to be weighed. It says, verse 29, two or three prophets should speak and the other should weigh carefully what is said. Is it right? We should be asking ourselves. So, is it in line with scripture? Is it right? But also, is it heavy? Has it got clouds? Is, it, is, this, is this penetrating my soul? Um, you know, it's, it's possible to be wrong, is, is my fifth thing on this. It is possible to be wrong. Because uh, verse uh, thir- uh, chapter 13 talks about how we prophesy in part and we know in part. You know, we, we, don't, we don't always get everything right. In fact, I felt prophetically for today that there might be people here who have been carrying words that have been spoken over them in their heart that perhaps were discouraging, condemning. Or, and, and I feel that God wants to release you from that today. He wants to release you from, from having to carry those things. And I also felt that there might be things that... It might be some some words that are spoken over over your life that are good things, they're encouraging, but, you know, they've just not happened. And, and you, you can't really see how they're going to happen. And I feel God saying, you know what, in the same way, I want to encourage you to lay that down. And not, not that it... To say, write it off and say it's never going to happen, but just to lay it down and not to have to hold on to it as your identity. Because it's not your identity. Your identity is a child or a daughter of God. And so I feel like there's a moment today for some people to, to come and lay down some stuff for Jesus and not allow that to, to be something that speaks into your life in a way that's unhelpful. So that includes negative words as well. Just like tongues, prophecy will never take you o- or over so it talks about how the spirit of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. I remember in Chichester, I was leading an evening worship meeting and a lady who was there from another church, I'd never met her before, she came up and she said, oh, I've got a word for the church. And um, she, she felt that she needed to give me her credentials first. And I don't know why people do that. Just, just tell me what the word is. But um, when I asked her, okay, great, you know, tell me what the word is and we'll see if it's right to bring it. And she was, oh, no, 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 I, no, I need to bring it right now. Now is the time. I was like, okay, well, just let me know. And then I'll, you know, because after all, my job is to guard the flock and protect the flock. Let me know, and then we'll see if it's right. And then she kind of mumbled something that she couldn't really explain. It was incoherent. And so I said, hey, do not you just take a few minutes to just, just dwell on God and clarify in your mind what it is and then come back to me? And then she was like, oh, rah, you're stopping the word of the Lord coming to your church, rah, rah. I was like, no, no, I'm not. You know, because the Spirit is, doesn't take you over, you're in control. And you can, you can submit to leadership and you can also uh, be wise. And when you feel you've got something to bring, often like preaching, the first person that I'm preaching to is myself. Prophecy, the first person you're prophesying to is yourself. And then it's the church. And um, when we get prophetic words, it's always about applying to them to us first. Some questions that you might want to ask yourselves: things like this. Is it biblical? Is it just for you? Is it in the flow of what's coming? Is it for here and now? And the reason why it's good for you to do that is because when you come down to share that with the meeting leader, they will do exactly the same things. They'll be thinking in their head: Is it biblical? Is it just for that person that's telling me? Is it in the flow of what's coming and what God's doing amongst us? Is it for here and now? And then, just like tongues, the seventh thing, just like tongues, it's available to all believers. All believers. So it says, follow the way of love. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Verse 5, I would like everyone to speak in tongues, but I'd rather you prophesy. Um, and it goes on and on. And um, God says that he'll pour out his spirit on all people and that he, would, he wants you to prophesy. All can prophesy in turn. It's a gift that everyone to have and it's a gift that we should all desire. And so um, I really am going to finish up in a couple of minutes. I just want to give you a few practical uses in the church. And this is the first one. It's not just for Sunday mornings. Um, it can be. It doesn't just have to happen between song three and four on a Sunday morning. You know, gifts. All the, all the gifts can be operated throughout the whole week. And so, some things to help you is that you need to know know when it's from God. When you, when you know when it's from God, that really helps. When I first started, when I first became a Christian, I I knew when something was God because he he kind of. Talk to me physically. My my palms would get sweaty. I'd get sweaty armpits. I'd, I'd really know that. Oh God is saying something to me. And then over the years, that's he, God's speaking to me in different ways. And so now I can just I can feel hairs just and I, oh God God is speaking. Know when it's from God. Come in and speaking to the worship, to the meeting leader it actually helps you to, to identify that and they, and they, and talking to each other helps. Some people have physical pains. Uh, some people it can come in terms of pictures. Sometimes people, it can come to people in terms of scripture. Sometimes uh, God, God can do something in your week or you're walking down the road and something happens. You notice something. You feel God speaking to you in that way. You can be watching TV and God is speaking to you. Prophecy can come in all sorts of different ways and spiritual gifts can come in all sorts of different ways. And song words that can trigger these things. And... Again, it's good to ask yourself, is it encouraging? Is it comforting? Is it strengthening for the believers? Sometimes people feel like they need to have the whole thing. And so, oh, I need to have the picture. I need to have the scripture that goes along with that. I need to pray and make sure that's in line with it. I need to make sure that it fits in with the song words. I need to make sure that there's application. And, and actually, it's rare that we get all of it because we prophesy in part and we know in part. And so you don't need to have the whole thing. And so if you feel like God has given you something, come and share that thing. If if the thing that you feel God has given you has got three points and then ten sub-points, then it's too long and everyone starts sitting down and God isn't being worshipped and we're just listening to you. And so a good practical thing about using it in the church is come to the meeting leader, let them know what it is, and then come and bring what you told them you were going to bring. That blesses everyone, I promise you. And it keeps us focused on Jesus. And, so, and then the fourth thing I just want to mention is that the meeting leader might say yes, bring it straight away, go for it. They might say, not just yet, but perhaps later on or, or after the preach. They might say no. No. And again, in my last church, I remember a lady came to the front. She wanted to pray for the children right at the beginning of worship. And you know what? I wanted people to keep their eyes focused on Jesus. So I said, actually, no, we're not going to do that just yet. Um, But hang around. And when I feel it's right, maybe we'll we'll bring you back up. You know, later on, we'll, we'll pray for the kids. And she went back to her seat. And the music died down. and Suddenly, she starts praying for the children. Was God glorified in that moment? No. Because it was all about her. It's all about her and oh, it's my right. Hey, the control of the prophets uh, is is in their own spirit, and we can glorify God, we can honour God with our worship, and um, you know, dare I say, it's really possible for us to assess worship by how many prophetic words or how many contributions are brought on a Sunday morning. And do you know what? The way we should assess worship is: was God glorified? Was He given all the praise and glory? And if He was, hey, that's a good worship time. And I love that in our church that's often the case, that we come before and we worship God and we give him our all. And it's great when we have prophetic words that come and encourage and strengthen and support us in that. And I know there's been words coming already, and I'm looking forward to hearing what they are. And, you know, I want to encourage you um, to be pressing out into these gifts that God has given you. Uh, some of the most powerful meetings I've been in those. And last thing to mention is that the, worship, the meeting leader has got all sorts of stuff going on in their head. They're trying to communicate with a worship leader. They're trying to help lead through the meeting. They're trying to bring uh, an order and flow to the contributions and filtering out the ones that are unhelpful. They're trying to ensure that they're bringing vision to the offering and those kids have been sent out well. They're trying to make sure that distractions are kept to a minimum. They're trying to ensure that the time of worship is God-focused and that he gets the glory. They're trying to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and they're trying to do all of that whilst also worshipping God themselves and giving him glory. And you know what? Sometimes they can get it wrong. Sometimes they might say... No, no, it's not for now. And they, and they might get it wrong. And do you know what? That's okay. And so I want to encourage you to, to keep a good attitude with them. The worship leader does the same. They prepare beforehand. They seek God. God, what should we be singing this morning? Often they get a prophetic edge to the song words. And so we can trust that as, as the meeting leader and the worship leaders come before us on a Sunday, they've spent lots of time with God and, and they're seeking him about what he might be doing through us. And, and a few weeks ago, I showed a picture of this orchestra and... Um, You know, before the orchestra get together, in fact, this is a practice right now. You notice there's no conductor there. They're all all kind of practicing. There's a guy standing up over there. He's checking his notes, okay? And it's all chaos. It's all a mess when they're practicing and getting together. But you know then, the conductor gets up, brings them all to order, and then they start playing a beautiful symphony, a beautiful noise, and it's all in harmony together. And he's conducting that play. He's, He's playing his part in the orchestra by making that all happen. And here's a question... Does that make the conductor a control freak? Doesn't, does it? And you know what's the same for meeting leaders? Same for leaders. We're just playing our part. Verse 33: God is a God of, of not a God of disorder, but of peace, as He is in all the congregations. It's just there's a leader's part to play in our meetings to bring the whole chorus of worship to God into order, into peace, making sure that we're all giving him the praise. And so, like I said, we might say no, we might say yes, we might say maybe, but later, I want to encourage you to keep a good attitude. If they say no, it's not personal. It's just that maybe it's just not for right now. And so keep a good attitude, then come again. Don't go, oh, I'm not doing that again. And, you know, take the walk of shame back to your seat. I'm oh, not doing that. No, no, don't do that. No, come on, have a good attitude allow God to move in your heart and move into your spirit because it's good. And, and so come on, let's get the band back up. We're going to pray. Um, church, as us keep a good attitude. Church as God intended is a spirit-led congregation where the spirit is free to move amongst us with spirit-led leaders, with worship leaders who help us to come into God's presence. Church as God is intended is where we are one body. We're full of many parts, but we're all all different, but we're all equal. Church as God intended is where the spirit led believers are operated in gifts that God has given through his Holy Spirit, not just on a Sunday morning, but throughout the whole week. Church as God intended is a church that moves in the power of tongues and prophecy and interpretation. And I'd love us to all stand together. So why don't you do that? Come and stand with me now. Come on, I just want to encourage you to just allow God to move in your spirit. Because he's alive. You know, he's not dead anymore, he's alive. And just as he was 2,000 years ago, he he operated with people. He moved in people's spirits. And so the the band, they're going to just start to play. And, um, you know, I think it would be really good for us just to take a moment to focus on Jesus. and just start to tell him you love him thanks for listening please do come and visit us Sundays 10am at the Odeon Cinema in Guildford we look forward to seeing you